0: So dear friends, we are going to speak about prayer and then we start with a prayer. Holy Spirit, come into our hearts and open us for the presence of Jesus in our life, that we may serve him, love him and adore him. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. If we live in a secular society, there are very few Visible and tangible signs of the presence of God. Maybe you think that you live in a secular society, but it's nothing compared with Sweden. When I entered the aeroplane in Europe, United Airlines, the flight attendant made the sign of the cross and said, Now we are safe, we have a priest on board. <laughs> that would not happen in Sweden, unfortunately. But still, most of our part of the world becomes more, more secular and many people have the experience to live in a spiritual desert. Life seems so empty. The daily reality has nothing to do with God. Our existence often seems to have no deeper sense and meaning. And at the same time, many people are getting tired and sick of a, sp- of a secular society. That's what we see in Sweden. And we've been secular for so long that people are really looking for something else. And I think this secular atmosphere can help people to long and desire for God because he seems absent and we know an absent friend Can sometimes be more present than if He is right beside us. So there is a providential thing about this secular society that the absence of God can bring people to long for God, to desire for God. If you really lack something and long for it something can change. So we could say that The secular atmosphere of society today could be what St. John of the Cross calls a kind of dark night of the soul. God seems so far away, and for some he does not even exist, but still there is a longing, there is a hope. There is a weak but eager hope for something, or rather someone, unknown. Because in my country so few people have a real idea about God but he is there as the hidden God. One of the famous uh, pieces of music in Sweden is called Fedol Gud, the hidden God. And I think that's typical of our secular societies, that God is there but hidden unknown. And that can help people. To long for him. In a secular society we don't get any help from outside to discover the presence of God. We have to make the journey ourselves. We cannot rely upon the tradition or pe- persons around us. Many immigrants have come to Sweden from traditionally Catholic countries but they have to adapt to a society where they don't get any help from others. For some it can be difficult, and it can mean that they disappear, that they lapse. But for some it can mean that they make a personal spiritual journey and can find a deeper relationship with God. Because they have to do the effort. They have to long, they have to hope, they have to desire to come closer to God. So I would say a secular society can also help people to grow in silence, prayer and contemplation. Because if they want to survive as Christians they have to take their faith more seriously. And that's what we see. For instance among our catechists, a typical person is A lady from Poland married to a Swede. She comes from a very Catholic country. She marries a non-believer and she sees I have to do everything if I want to keep my faith. I have to help my children and then I can also help other children. I need this deep personal relationship with God in order to survive as a Christian, as a Catholic in a secular society. As a person of hope, I am convinced that Carmelite spirituality can offer some valuable help for many people in our secular world of today. And of course, Jesuit spirituality, Dominican spirituality. But being a Carmelite, I allow myself to make some, not commercial, but still some propaganda. <laughs> if you. Will forgive me for that. St. John of the Cross and his description of the dark night of the soul could open many eyes and many hearts to the hidden presence of God in the midst of darkness and absence and also other Carmelite mystics can be our spiritual friends and guides in our daily life in a society that seems to forget or even deny God. Because there is always hope. And hope will show us that there is also faith and love. We know that in our Christian tradition, the three theological virtues are so important in order to bring us to God. They can always help us even if there is no atmosphere, no people around us to help us. And I suppose you have heard how the French author Charles Peggy describes the three theological virtues as three sisters who are on pilgrimage together with the Lord here on earth and up to heaven. And in many languages you can be named, Esperance, Hope, Bob Hope for instance, you can be named Faith and Charity. So we could say that these three sisters, Faith, Hope and Charity, help us to discover a deeper relationship with God. Our senses cannot bring us so close and that's what St. John of the Cross has taught us that if we want to approach God, we have no help of the atmosphere of the senses. We have to dive deep down and discover that thanks to faith, hope and charity, we can come closer to God. And then we have to pass through this dark night of the soul, because nothing helps us from outside. We have to really go down into this darkness to discover the presence of the hidden God who is always there. And then, if we really rely upon faith, hope and charity, we can start to discover signs of the hidden God. That the reality as such, creation, reminds us Of God, the Creator. If we really rely upon faith, hope, and charity, we can see that God is there. There are so many signs reminding us of God. In our Nordic culture, nature for so many people is the place where they look for God. Few of them go to the church, but they go into the nature to discover the beauty, speaking about the beauty of God. And I think that's a very human way of acting. And maybe that can be also the first step in order to grow into a more complete Christian faith. But if we try to look for the signs of God in creation, in the nature, we can also look for the signs of God in each other. For our mentality that's more difficult because people are very individualistic and it's very difficult for people in our culture to see God in their neighbours. Whereas in southern Europe it's easier for them to find God in each other than in nature. I don't know here in the United States you come from so different backgrounds but I think If we really rely upon these deep gifts, faith, hope and charity, we can strive to find traces of God around us. And one of the teachers to this science of God's presence is the French lay brother, Lawrence of the Resurrection, who lived in the 17th century. He has written about this daily presence of God. He worked in the kitchen, and of course, you can find traces of God in the kitchen. You can remain in his presence when you are there cooking. And he says, even in the hurly-burly of the kitchen, when everything is in disorder, God is present. And I think that's very wise. We shouldn't wait until everything is okay, everything is in order, because then it will never happen. But if we really have this longing for God, we find His presence wherever we are, whatever we do, however we feel, because we don't rely upon our senses, we rely upon this deep gift of faith, hope and charity, the theological virtues, our supernatural organ in order to be related to God, as the mystic theology would say. But in a very everyday way, if we really have this longing for God, we will always find signs and traces around us. Because everything created gives us a trace of the Creator. The beauty of God is seen in nature and in every single human being. If we really have this longing to see God, we know... That every single person was created in the image of God and then we can see something of God in each other we can discover the face of Jesus in every human face especially in the poor ones in the persecuted in the suffering as tradition and Pope Francis always reminds us and also and that's maybe part of monastic wisdom in the person around us that makes life difficult. You know when St John of the Cross was going to die he had the choice to go to a convent where people loved him and another convent where they were not very fond of him and even despised him. And of course you know what he chose to go to the place where he was despised but through His presence they were converted and accepted Him. So if we really long to see God in our neighbour, we can also look for Him in those people who are difficult, those who make life difficult for us, those who are not very good people. And I think that's very important for our everyday life, that we really long to see something of God also in our enemies, in those who are not very sympathetic to us. Because God wants to meet us everywhere. God wants to come close to us wherever we are, in our ordinary reality. We don't have to look for him in the ideal world. Because the world will never be ideal. Sometimes I meet people in Sweden telling me, oh, if I lived in a monastery, it would be easy to live in God's presence. And if you live in a monastery, you will say, it would be easy in another monastery. Because that's a consequence of, well, of sin, of original sin, that we long to be somewhere else then it will be easy, then it will be lovely, then we could pray, then we could live in God's presence. But we have to do it here and now. So remember that the person beside you is an image of God, that he or she can help you to come closer to God, even if you have never seen her or him before. And I think this will and this desire... To discover the presence of God is so important and to do it here and now, not tomorrow, not when we go on retreat, not when people around us are the people we love, but just now. To realize that creation, reality, is my place where I have been placed by God in order to meet him, to see his traces, to adore him, to really receive him into my life. But then we have to learn to use hope, faith and charity. Because our senses cannot help us, they can give us some instruction, but if it comes to this deep encounter with the Lord, we have to rely upon the theological virtues because they were given to us in order to be our way of relating to God. God believes in us, that's why he created us, he loves us and he has the hope that we will be responsive, that we will receive him in our life. And in a secular society we have to take this seriously because The atmosphere the people around us will not help us tradition will not help us we have to make this personal pilgrimage together with the three sisters hope faith and charity and don't forget hope the hope is the little sister walking before the two bigger sisters Faith and charity. And hope somehow gives life direction. If we haven't hope we wouldn't do anything, we wouldn't survive. And hope can bring us very close to God even if our faith and our love is very weak. And I think it's very important to tell people more about hope because if we have hope life will change. And hope can be very very difficult in a secular society where we feel lonely forgotten and far away from God. So if you want to taste a real secular society you are most welcome to Sweden. And There are many places where there is no Catholic Church and where you can start to long in chicago you have a catholic church in every block but in sweden you have to learn to long for the church long for god to desire for god and for many it has been really a deep profound experience to realize that i have to do this journey myself this spiritual journey In a society of today, silence is very rare. The media never keep quiet. There is always music in your ears. Even when when you go into an elevator, they put on music. If you go shopping, there is music. People are overwhelmed by so many words, so much propaganda, so many ideologies, so many voices. But we desperately need silence in order to be more open to the humble voice of the Lord because otherwise the other voices will kill this voice because the voice of the Lord is a voice of a baby God became man and he speaks to us as a baby with a silent very discreet voice so we have to learn how to be silent in order to listen to the eternal Word of God. And we have deep inside a silent sanctuary, deep inside us there is always peace, silence, if we really want to journey, make this journey into our own interior world. When we were baptised The Blessed Trinity took up its abode in us. We are the temples of God, as St Paul reminds us. There is a silent sanctuary inside. We are not empty and hollow inside, Teresa of Avila tells us. God lives in us in every single moment of our life. When we pray, we unite ourselves to the prayer of the Son, who taught us to say Our Father. Deep inside, at the bottom of our soul, we can live this life of silent adoration of God present in our heart. There is always peace and silence. But we have to discover it, and that can be very difficult with all those voices around us. Maybe you have noticed that when Pope Francis celebrates Mass, we are told to keep silence after the homily. And I think that's a little help for us to keep a moment of silence when we come to church during Mass and after in order to listen and in silence receive the Word of God speaking directly to us because otherwise well it will disappear. Sometimes I ask people after Mass What was the first reading about? And of course then they get very nervous because they have forgotten. (laughs) Sometimes they'll ask what was the Gospel about? Mostly they remember something of the Gospel but not always. And that's the sign that we haven't got this silent attitude. We don't listen really. There are so many words overwhelming us. And that's why we need to really Get some exercise in silence. We have to practice silence because that can help us especially in our secular society where there is never silence. Everyone wants to persuade us to buy the new car, even Thomas. Everyone wants to sell us some new product and well sometimes we obey but we have to resist, we have to fight in order to be silent before God and it's very difficult. We come to Mass finally after a hard week of work I can be there to pray, I can receive the word of God but then we notice all the problems are there inside, all the plans. So we have to make a real effort in order to discover that there is silence deep down inside. We have to make this journey with all the saints, with all the mystics and the ordinary people because there God will speak to us, there we will receive his word. Saint Elizabeth of the Trinity can help us to realize that the triune God lives in us and that we can find our joy in this silent adoration. I heard there is a church nearby, St. Peter, where there is uh, perpetual adoration. But not many people have the grace to have a church around the corner where there is always adoration. But we can adore God in ourselves. Deep inside we can remain in silent adoration of the Blessed Trinity who lives in us because we are a temple of God. Elizabeth can help us to realize that if we really want to be present to the Lord he is always there. He lives inside. We can remain in silent adoration there sometimes just for a little moment and I think that can be a very beautiful practice to stop thinking, stop doing anything and just adore God in our heart. During our work and our leisure we can be refreshed by this living water of the Trinity deep inside. The well is always there, the Holy Trinity, the living water, and we can receive this grace if we come to silence. But we know how difficult it can be. But over and over again, we can try to be silent in front of God who lives in us. We can find new strength and inspiration. And even in a society where there is always noise, always something, we can really desire to grow in silent adoration. Elizabeth of the Trinity taught her sister, who had two little daughters, that she could adore the Trinity in them when she took care of them. Because her sister wrote to Elizabeth and said, it's so difficult for me to pray, I always have to take care of these little darlings and they demand so much of me. So I envy you in the monastery. And people often envy people in monastery because they think there there is peace there is silence, and they don't know anything about how it is because that can be, well, I shouldn't, I said, shall say not nothing more about that, because it can be very helpful in a monastery. It's true, but there too you have to fight, you have to make an effort in order to live in silence, and. Elizabeth told her sister you have to adore God in your little daughters and I think that's a very important thing to realize that we can adore God in other people Because they are the temples of God as well and it can be very useful if you have a difficult relationship with a person to persuade yourself I have to adore God in that person whom I would like to see at the end of the world. But now, I work with this person, maybe I'm married to that person, maybe it's my mother-in-law or father-in-law or my boss at the office. I have to find a way to cope with the situation. And that person can help me to grow in prayer. But then you have to Discover this silent sanctuary within yourself Because then you will see it reflected in other persons You will see that the person whom you don't like Somehow is not so terrible as you thought he was created or she in the image of God and Thanks to grace the Holy Trinity lives in him or her so Every single person can help you. Every single human being is created in the image of God. And we can discover the traces of God in every single human being. And that can also help us to create a better society. Because it's not only a personal, individualistic thing. We can change a secular society to being a society where we strive to find God in each other, where we strive to build up something new and beautiful together. Even if we are few, the situation can change. So this silence is a gift of God, but we have to long for it, we have to desire it, we have to make an effort in order to remain in silence before and in front of God and to realize that we have silence deep inside but we have to discover our own profound being and we are so often on the surface, we regard each other also on the surface level but we have to have this profound insight of Jesus. Jesus just looked upon people and they changed. And sometimes I have met people like that, they could look right into your heart. I remember when I met Pope John Paul, he had this glimpse that could go right into your heart. I don't remember so much what he said, but when he looked upon you, you felt that somehow Jesus would have looked upon me like that, to see right into your heart. And if we try to live as brothers and sisters, we try to look into the heart of each other, to see that this person was created in the image of God, this person is the temple of God, and then our human relationships will change, there will be a profound And deep unity between ourselves. Prayer is above all a gratuitous gift of God's mercy and grace. God is always there, but we are not. God is always offering us His immense love, but we don't notice it because we have so much to do, so much to think about. So I would say. One of the most important things in spiritual life is to learn what it means to be loved by God. To be loved is an important art. And in a secular society we are not taught how to be loved by God. We have to learn it, each one of us. God's love is always immense. There is always more than we could ever grasp and understand but we have to make the experience we have to let ourselves be loved by god it seems very very simple and it is simple but we are not simple we are more complicated we want to feel experience and that's why we have to remain on the level of faith hope and charity because most of the time we don't feel that we are loved. We don't experience with our senses, but it's a fact that we are always loved by God. There is a constant relationship with Jesus. There is a perpetual dialogue. Jesus has always something to say to us. He is the eternal Word, he is never quiet. But if we are not silent, if we are not open and responsive, we will not receive His message, we will not really receive Him into our life. We are often deaf or we not we do not care to listen. So prayer means that we have to listen, to receive, to be loved. It's not so much things that we do, but we let the Lord act in us. Prayer means that It's more about listening than talking. And I think that's one of the problems, especially in our society. We always have to do some talking. We came into this wonderful reception and we thought, well, we have to do some talking. We have to say a lot of things. But maybe we should have said, we have to feel the love of the other persons, more to receive than to do. And it's the same in the relationship with God. We don't have to say so many things to the Lord, because He knows our heart. Of course we can say prayers, but there is something deeper down. It's more about listening to God than talking. And that's why we have to learn how to be quiet in front of the Lord, let Him speak to our heart. Let him love us. The art of listening to God is so important. And here we can learn a lot from Mary. That's why annulus is so important. Three times a day we remember that the angel came with a message to God. God wanted to say something to her. She was responsive, receptive, docile she listened. God also wants to speak to us, but we do not always listen. We are not receptive, responsive, docile. We want to do the talking ourselves. And I think our prayer life needs to change into being more a listener than a talk. And that can be very difficult in our society when we always have to talk, we always have to say something, we have to be busy. And if we want to really come closer to God, we have to act as Mary, to receive, to be responsive, to listen, to obey. So that's why annulus can be so important. We have to identify ourselves with Mary, who received the word of God in such a strong way that it became flesh in her, the Fathers of the Church said. Of course that was something unique, but it's the same kind of experience that we have to make, that God comes to us every moment anew, he has a message of love, he wants to show us that we are important to him, that He loves us and we have to receive that love, we have to be transformed by that love, we have to listen to that love. And that's why this attitude of Mary is the fundamental attitude of prayer. Teresa of Avila can also help us to grow into this constant relationship to Jesus. She has helped innumerable people to live in prayer, not just to say a few prayers then and now, but to live in prayer, live in a constant relationship to Jesus, who is always beside us, walking with us through our entire life. And as it's said in the famous prayer of St. Patrick, the breastplate, he's beside us, behind us, above us, beneath us, Around us. He's always there. We are never without him. If we are Christians, Christ is always with us. We can always relate to him. We can open our heart to him and receive his love in so many ways. So life is really a wonderful adventure when we can discover new ways of opening, opening up to Jesus. And I can imagine that in a secular society we have to make this discovery on our own. We will not get so much help from outside. We have to do everything ourselves. And that's also kind of privilege to realize. My life in this society means that I have the responsibility to discover new ways of relating to Jesus, new ways to see how He's present in my life. He is my best friend, humble and faithful and ever-present to us. But how do I react to that? How do I make uh, my baptismal vows into reality? How do I seek to be present to him? How do I receive his love? How do I respond to him? So Teresa of Avila can help us to grow in this personal friendship with Jesus who is always there and just as she did we can discover him deep inside where he lives in the innermost mansion and we travel through life to meet him deep inside but also in our exterior life more and more we can see how Jesus is there, often hidden, often not easy to discover. But if we really long for someone, we will always discover that this person is present. Sometimes those who are dear to us are far away, but sometimes then they are more present, because then we long for them then we hope that they will come back and it is the same in a secular society where we don't see many traces of our Lord then we have to long even more to find Jesus present in our reality and as the people of God we also have to help each other to see how Jesus is working amongst us and that is what I find in Sweden what I call ecumenical friendships. You come to a new work, you are new, you are Catholic, and some of us, we are a bit afraid to tell everyone that I'm a Catholic. Maybe not here in Chicago, where 40% are Catholics. In Sweden it's just 1%. And even if you are a foreigner coming to Sweden as a Catholic, you feel a bit shy. But after a time, I have heard that so many times people discover there is someone more believing in Jesus maybe a Lutheran maybe a Pentecostal and that creates a kind of spiritual friendship because then you know there is someone more who believes in Jesus someone who can help me and someone whom I can help in order to grow and then people around us will discover that we believe in God, They they will make fun of us, they will think that we are strange, but when they have problems they will come to you because somehow they realize this person lives for something more, something deeper. I've heard that so many times in our secular society of Sweden that it can be really wonderful because you have to make an effort In order to find someone who also believes in Jesus. And then you will be criticized, you will be ridiculized, you will be sometimes, uh, you will get some aggressive uh, words from other people. But behind that attitude, there is always an interest, because otherwise people would just be, well, indifferent. But if they are angry, With you, if they speak bad about religion, it's a sign that there is something deep inside. So even in a very secular atmosphere, there is grace. There is the presence of God. You can grow in this spiritual friendship with Jesus in every kind of atmosphere. And that's what we see in our prisons in Sweden somehow they are the most religious parts of society because their people have, have nothing else to do than to long for God. and That's why uh, even the authorities have discovered that religion can change people. So we have what we call prisons, convents in prison. There are special buildings where the Inmates can follow the spiritual exercises of Saint Ignatius of Loyola, and that's really a miracle in a secular society, that people have discovered that the only thing that can change a behavior, a person, is the encounter with God. So they are offering these exercises on a ecumenical or even interreligious. Uh, level, but that has changed the lives of so many. So the authorities have, well, they have opened up those what they call convents in prison. There is no prior or no prioress around to make life difficult for the inmates, (laughs) but but, uh, somehow they have found that God is also loving God for them. So that's a very hopeful thing I, th- I think, that even in a secular society even uh, the authorities who have no religion whatsoever have discovered that Jesus, faith, religion can change reality, can change a person into becoming a better person. When I told the Carmelite nuns that they immediately said Oh, they have to do the same here in America to offer the inmates this possibility. So, sometimes, even in a secular society, the grace of God can break through. Even in the worst of circumstances, there is grace, there is love, because Jesus is there. If you really grow... In faith, hope and charity, God will give us contemplation, a mystical grace but at the same time something very concrete because contemplation shows us that God is there, that he speaks to us in the very reality where we live. We don't have to retire to the desert Or to a monastery, but we find him here and now. We see his traces, we discover his hidden presence, we feel that we are united to him on this deep level. But often we have to pass through this purification that St. John of the Cross has called the dark night of the soul, because our senses. Our ordinary life has to be transformed. We have to really be crucified with the Lord. The old man in us has to die. The appetites have to die away. And we have so many appetites for all kinds of things that we cannot care for the Lord. And that's why something in us has to be taken away. We have to be purified. We have to pass through this total purification that can be very painful but also very healthy. And I think for many people the secular society of today is a kind of dark night of the soul. We don't get any support from outside, most people seem to be not interested in God or against it. We don't get any real help from persons around us. We feel lonely as believers, we feel forgotten, we feel that God has forgotten us. And in this deep process of purification something can change. Then we don't want to look upon God as someone who is there for our service. But we want to follow Jesus, we want to help him to carry the cross. We realise that we too have to cooperate with him in his work of salvation through this process of purification. Maybe today most people experience it as a kind of emptiness, kind of desert. In our big cities of today, there is also a desert. In Stockholm most people live lonely, most people live alone. There is a lot of solitude, emptiness, loss of meaning, and in midst of this atmosphere some people have discovered that God is present. So there is always grace possible even in a surrounding where God seems not to be present and as I said this can lead us to long even more for him to desire him on a deeper level and when we can rely upon God even if everything around us is against it something will happen when we really discover that faith hope and charity can bring us closer to God in the desert, in the emptiness, in the darkness, then we can surrender to God. And that's a very important word in Carmelite spirituality. The English Carmelite nun, Ruth Burroughs, uses it very often. And I think it's typical of the modern situation in a secular society that we have to learn to surrender to God. We have to really abandon ourselves to Him totally. Even if people around us will not understand it, when we don't get any help from outside, we have to surrender to God wherever we are, however we feel, whatever happens around us. We have to find this deep interior relationship to the Lord and that's what The saints and the mystics can help us on our way. So I would say we need this atmosphere of silence, we need to discover the mystery of prayer and then we will receive this deep contemplation that God wants to give us. When we surrender, when we say yes to the Lord, even if we would like to say no or tomorrow or next week, or when I go on pension, then I will open up to you. Because we have this uh, temptation to postpone the surrender. And that's a very, very dangerous temptation, because we have to do it now, right now. Because the Lord is present in the heart of this holy city of Chicago, even if it's a secular, it's a holy city. It's the Jerusalem of the Lord and here and now we can surrender to him, we can receive him in faith, hope and charity even if we don't feel a thing. We just want to go home and get a good beef or something else to eat. We dream about something totally different. But here and now we can surrender to the Lord and that's the grace that has been given to us. It's never too late. As Graham Greene wrote in his uh, novels there is grace between the stirrup and the ground there is always a new possibility to surrender to the Lord so that's also my prayer and wish for you that you will discover in this holy city of secular Chicago that there is grace That there is a wonderful possibility to discover the hidden presence of God and that you can always come closer, we can grow closer and closer to Jesus in our life if we rely upon faith, hope and charity and not just what we what we sense, what we experience. And then somehow heaven is also there. Elizabeth of Trinity wrote a retreat called Heaven on Earth. And I think that's something very important in our life that we realize that we can receive a little glimpse of heaven whenever we open up to the Lord here and now. In the midst of a busy life, in the midst of a difficult life, in the midst of a very secular atmosphere, there is Grace between the stirrup and the ground, between the streetcar and the shopping centre, there are always possibilities to say yes to the Lord. So finally we ask for this grace. Father in heaven, you have sent your Son to us. He is with us in every single moment of our life. Help us to say yes to him and receive his love here and now. Help us not to postpone, but to really surrender ourselves totally to him here and now in this holy, secular city of Chicago that God may bless forever and ever. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.